So the message today is encountering Christ. We want to encounter Christ this year. Who wants to encounter Christ today? This sermon is titled The Miracle of Sight. So what does it mean to encounter Christ? What does it mean to encounter anything? Some, some uh, definitions look like this. To be confronted by. To be hit with. To experience. I want to be hit with the power of God. I want to encounter Christ. One thing I'm so, uh, I'm, I'm upset with myself for being someone who just went to church for so long. I went to church so that I could go to church. So that I could check the box. I went to church because that's what you're supposed to do. Go to church. And if not, I would have been whooped. <laughs> it wasn't an option. But it wasn't until I really gave my life to Jesus and surrendered my life. That then when I, when I started to go to church, post, post um, you know, renewal and, and salvation, I came with an expectation every Sunday. I said, God, I'm so excited this morning. I'm ready to encounter you. There's a difference between showing up and encountering. Let's let God, in, 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 let's encounter God this year in 2017. Some of us had a bad 2016. Some of us had a good 2016. But we're all both here in 2017. See, in sports, the team that, has, that wins the championship and the team that was the worst in the league or in business, the, the business that, that produced the best and the business that did the worst, they all, after the year is over, have to start over. We can't depend on the things that God did in 2016 to, to push us through 2017. I'm not willing to let that moment when I got saved or that moment when I got baptized or that moment when God did something great in my life to be the only thing I have to talk about this whole year. Amen. I want to encounter him every morning. I want to experience him. I want to hear something new. I want some revelation from heaven so that I can be all that I can be and so the church can be what the church needs to be. Amen. Amen. Let's get into the scripture. John chapter 9, 1 through 7. John chapter 9, 1 through 7. As he passed by, this is Jesus walking, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? Jesus answered, It was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and applied the clay to the man's eyes and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went away and washed and came back seeing. Three points today. Man being born blind. Man must work. We need to work. And man must see. Father God, help us to hear from you today. Lord, we ask for a fresh encounter today. From the person who finished the fast Friday night and is full of joy and full of expectation to the person 
who crawled into the doors today and said, Lord God, I need you. We all want a fresh encounter. Help me to share what you have to say this morning and help us as a church to receive from your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Right, uh, you know, before Jesus walked in uh, into this scene and met this blind man, he had just told people publicly in Jerusalem that he is the light of the world. Isaiah had prophesied that too, that the Messiah would heal blind eyes. Jesus was walking in authority. God shared with me a few weeks ago as I was preparing for our fast that authority comes from assignment and power comes from an encounter. We all have the authority because God has assigned each one of us a unique task and he's given us unique talents and unique gifts. But if we're not encountering Jesus, your authority has no power. So that's why we need to continue to get in our prayer closet. If it's when you're driving in, the, in, uh, you know, in all this traffic or sitting in this traffic, spend time with God. Spend time with God. And let me add one more thing. Spend time with God with your family. See, we don't pray enough around the table anymore. We don't pray for our children before they go to sleep. Bring prayer, bring the encounter of Christ into all of your avenues. When you see someone sick and God gives you that nudge, how many of you guys had that nudge before? Oh, I'm supposed to pray for that person, but I really don't want to. But I know I need to, but I don't want to. Let me figure out if something is wrong somewhere else, I can go fix something and maybe that person will leave. Or if you're like me, I'm going to call this person to pray for them, but I don't want them to pick up. I want to leave a voicemail. <laughs> I'll send a text. That's nice. We need to get used to praying, get used to getting into the power, hearing from God. Why do we need to encounter Christ other than the fact that it's the right thing to do? He deserves our undivided attention, of course, because he made us. But we encounter Christ, among many other reasons, to find our identity. Identity is not what you do, it's who you are. We live in a time where we, we try to cover ourselves with work, with accolades, with, with, with different degrees, even relationships. We marry up so we can look better. And I ain't mad at that. I did it. But we try to cover ourselves, our true identity. See, identity is not competency. Identity is character. But when we're insecure, we try to do more work, more work, more work, more work, more work, so that they can see my competency and then they can appreciate me because I don't think that they'll appreciate the character that's in me. But our identity is found in Jesus Christ. So we don't just come to church. We come to find Jesus and find ourselves in Jesus. And when we find ourselves in Jesus after that encounter, we then become empowered. And when we're empowered, we're able to do the work of God. Many of us, if we would just encounter Christ, if we would just surrender and give him our all, he would use us in a mighty way. You wouldn't have to worry about what you look like. You wouldn't have to worry about your house or your car. 
Because the fresh encounter would push you into an identity where you don't feel insecure. You say, I know who my God is, and he's alive in me. I'm believing that for our house today, for Grace Covenant and for all believers, that we would stop worrying about our competency and we would start focusing on the character of Jesus that would transform us from the inside out. Amen? Amen. The man was born blind. How many of you guys know that you have to see before you can be? The people came to him in, in between verse 1 and 3. They approach Jesus. They say, why is he blind? You ever wondered when you see someone that, that is either crippled or blind or, or a bad thing that happens in the, in the world? You say, why, why is that? You ever wonder that? Growing up, I always wondered that. Who did that? Why would God allow that? It's okay to have those thoughts as long as you have an answer for those thoughts. Jesus had the answer. Whose fault, they asked. They said, is it him? You know, some Jews believe that babies could sin in utero. They believe that while, while you were in your mother, you were, you know, were born to sin anyway. So you're in there just sinning. I don't know, maybe you're cussing it. <laughs> maybe you're hearing something you don't like and, you, you know, maybe that's why we kick. No. <laughs> that's not true. That's weird. That's not, that's, that's not right. That's not right. <laughs> then they asked, then they said, well, maybe it's his parents. We know about uh, generational curses, right? See, I'm not an angry person. It's my dad who's always angry. And it's just now I'm like, I'm him. So it's not me that you're seeing, it's him. I got to blame all of him because I'm not going to handle it until he handles it. This is why we need Jesus. Because <laughs> we always get caught up with the whys and, the, and then setting the blame elsewhere. These people say, who did it? Isn't it funny that their focus was on who did it, not what needed to be done? Anybody work with people like that? Or maybe you're that person, don't raise your hand. <laughs> See water on the floor. Who did this? Somebody needs to clean this up. Instead of saying, oh, wait, I just see something. Let me clean this up right quick. Saying the same thing, but you're doing a little different. You do it a little different. You know, this is the answer to that question. Some of you are wondering, what is the answer? Did he do it? Is his par- did his parents do it? This is the answer. We're in a fallen world. And it traces back up your upline all the way to great, 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 great grandpa and great, 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 great times, whatever, grandma, Adam and Eve. See, we were born into this. Sorry. Welcome. Here's your, here's your life. Born into sin. Born into anger. Born into lust. Born into greed. Don't believe me. Have a child. They'll teach you to sin. <laughs> it's not many things they can do, but what they can do is teach you to do the wrong thing. 
I'm wondering, how in the world did you learn how to say no? Because we don't really say no like that. We say no, but you said no. Where did that come from? I asked you, did you hit your sister? You said, no, I didn't. Who taught you to lie? How do you even know the concept of lying? As adults, we'd spend hours trying to figure out how we're going to lie. And it just flows freely out of you. We're born into sin. It's a fallen world. Because Adam sinned, now we, are ho- we were hopeless. And we need to understand that because you can't need to encounter Christ or, or you can't desire to encounter Christ. You can't desire righteousness and salvation without knowing why you need righteousness and salvation. You need to first know that man sinned and the covenant was broken. And if it wasn't for Jesus coming in as a sacrificial, sacrificial lamb, living the life that we should have lived, dying the death that we all deserve to die. How many of you know that the wages of sin are death? If you didn't know, now you do. The wages of sin are death. We earned death. We live in sin. But the gift is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Amen. See, when he came and died on the cross, the reason why we celebrate Easter, the reason why we celebrate the resurrection, I'm excited that Jesus died on the cross, but why? Why did he need to? Why did he need to? Because we needed him to. See, when he died on the cross, he took the penalty for what we had worked up. It would be like, how many of you guys are tired of Christmas shopping and so glad that we're not in that season anymore? We love the season for the reason, but we don't love the season because of the shopping. And you know, you start going around and you're looking through your phone and, okay, auntie such and such, cousin such and such, my neighbor, he did give me that one thing. I got to get him something back. And now you're going and your cart starts to fill up. And you get to the end, and the lady at Target is just, doop, doop, doop. How many of y'all watch that number? <laughs> do, 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 100, do, do, 200. Oh, goodness. Now you start to sweat. And if you're like me, you pull out your phone and check the bank account. <laughs> you know what? I don't really need that one. Put that one over there because we have that at the house. Imagine someone walks up and says, oh, that's everything that you've recruited over the last two hours. Let me go ahead and swipe my card. What would you do? (laughs) Go get some more. (laughs) You might do that. I might. I definitely would do that. And you would also say, who are you? Because I've been doing all this stuff and I'm stressed out and I got all these things going on in my life and I'm tired and I've been waiting in this line and then you came in and did this so easily. And now I can breathe. It's like now I have life. And that's Christmas shopping. Imagine standing before a holy God as your checklist continues to go, 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 go. Look at that lie. Look at that thing that you stole. Look at that thing that you watched. Look at all these things. Millions, billions, trillions. And Jesus steps in and says, Ah, God, I got this one. I got this one. Let me stand in the gap. Jared, go on through. Grace Covenant, go on through. I'm here. That's why we need a Savior. Jesus stands in the gap. He says, You know what? You don't even deserve me coming into the earth. 
You know, when I, when I was growing up in church, I used to always pray, God, and I, I don't know, I just think differently. I said, God, I, I marvel at the cross, but I marvel even more so that you came into the world. The, the cross is one thing, but the fact that you lowered yourself. Can you imagine seeing a group of ants on the sidewalk and saying, I want to go down there and do something for them. I'm going to give up all of my resources, give up all of my freedom, and I'm going to walk like an ant way down in the, in, in the ground. That's just a picture I grew up with. Jesus came all the way down into the earth and lived the life that we should have lived. We didn't deserve that. But from that place, from the cross, from the grave, when he rose up, he offered us salvation. And if we'll repent and believe, not only will we be transformed on the inside, but we'll be bought in, brought into a covenant of believers. We're now sons and daughters of God. How, hap- how happy are we that that's the truth? What would church be like if Jesus never came? Hey, y'all, I don't know what's going to happen, but let's just worship and maybe, I don't know. I, I don't know. I wouldn't want to go to church. God, I'm not worthy to go to church, and then I don't know. So many questions, but we have the answer already. What a blessing to be born today, to be born today when we know the answer. God came in. Wasn't mom or dad, it was fallen man. Something that we inherited. But God came in. It was a divine setup. How many times do we see something and say, ooh, I think God's gonna do something great here? Or do we say, man, such is life. This always happens. I had to stop saying that. I used to say that all the time. You know, get hit a red light and another red light. Man, this always happens. Maybe God's trying to keep you from something. Maybe God's telling you you need to drive slower. <laughs> Maybe God wants to sit, get you to sit still and get alone with him while you're in traffic. It's not just life. God is speaking. If we would yield to him, Maybe we could hear something. Maybe we can encounter something. Let's talk perspective. Perspective is a point of view. So how do we view situations or obstacles? Do we worry or do we worship? Are you a worrier or are you a warrior? When you see calamity, when you see cancer, when you see brokenness, when you're offended, do you say, God, this is a moment for you to move in a redemptive way? God, this is a moment for you to heal somebody. Or do we say, why does this happen? Oh, I'm, a, I'm annoyed. How do we respond? What's our perspective? There are things in our life, even now, that God has strategically placed there for a reason. So that he can be God and so that we can be human. And his glory can be revealed. And we have to start thinking that way. See, we're born, some of us are born with sight but we're all born blind. Oh, I can see a whole bunch of stuff, but I'm not seeing anything. We're born spiritually blind and need our sight to be restored. We don't know that we need our sight restored because we think we see. This is a stage. So I don't need to see anything else. Why? Because our natural senses 
have been so honed to make us believe that the reality about which we're informed is all there is. Did you know that there's a heavenly realm? Did you know that? I'm starting to discover that there's a supernatural government over my life and over your life. And things that I think are going wrong or things that I think are going right are all a part of a process that God is working together for my good. And, and I'm being taught as I go. And while I'm being taught, God is building up a testimony for me. So that that conversation that I have in 2020 with somebody, even though I'm crying and complaining today, I'll be able to aid them in their breakthrough. I don't normally think like that, to tell you all the truth. That sounds really good when I preach it, but I don't think that way. (laughs) But what if everything in your life that you have been upset about, that's bothered you, has ultimately been a setup for God to to have his glory revealed. Imagine if there was no setup. Then would we ever see God's glory? What if everything was perfect? Who would need God? Oh, that person's sick. Oh, no, no, they're not. They're fine. Now they're fine. Where was God? I did it. I get all the credit. I don't have to fast and pray. All I need to do is apply and I got the job. I don't need a raise. I just need to go into my boss's office and say, I need a raise. I don't don't need to believe God for a raise. I can just go in the office and say, I need that. Does this sound familiar? So many times I've put things into my own hand. When I played football, I remember saying, man, I'm not starting. I need to work harder. Let me run more. Let me do, I remember um, Kevin Singleton used to uh, lead worship at this church. And um, he was a basketball guy. He loved basketball. I was trying out for my basketball team in 11th grade. And he said, Jared, this whole summer, I want you to do 11 reps of everything because everyone else is doing 10. (laughs) My crazy self, I adopted that for the rest of my life. Now you might see me like walk somewhere 11 times or do something like, oh, why did I do that? Kevin. But we think, okay, let me do this many things. Let me, let me go get this nutritionist. Let me go, let me go get this life coach. Let me, and I'm not saying those things are wrong. Actually, we need good nutrition and we need people to help us in our lives. But we do all these things and we leave no room for God. We could even manufacture the perfect order of service for church. I'm preaching to somebody here. The people who put together the order of service are like, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? David, Jared, oh my goodness, this is going to be a rough day. (laughs) They go off script all the time. (laughs) But we put together song, 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 bridge, song, song. Offering, announcements. But where's God? Oh man, church service was so good because nothing bad happened. It was flawless. No one messed up. (laughs) What happens when God comes? It messes it all up. The worship leader says, oh, hold on. And they get down and start weeping. Hold on. We just lost the leader. What are we going to do? The minister comes up. He has his notes and he says, whoa, hold on. I just went on this tangent, but this tangent is actually what the church needed. And now I'm going here. I left the script. I didn't study this, but the Holy Spirit's moving. What happens then? 
I'm not saying anything's wrong with order because order is really good. Make sure that you order as much order as you can in your life. But leave room for the Holy Spirit. Leave room for the Holy Spirit. Being blind. You know, I always marveled at artists and musicians that were blind. They could be able to play stuff and just, I mean, you could put a guitar in their hands and they play that. And, you know, that really, that really is incredible to me because what they've done is they've developed a heightened sense in whatever that thing is so that they can maneuver, so they can survive. You know, Pastor Brett always has these analogies, and David, I know I said I wasn't going to try this, but I'm going to just try it. There's a difference between a Bosque pear and a green pear. It's the brown and the green. So the brown one has a different texture to the green. But for those of us in the room that can see, do you care? No, you do not. You bite it and you eat it and you throw it away. But the blind man picks that up and says, oh, I don't want that one. That's the brown one. I want that one. That's the green one. We don't think anything of it. But he has a heightened sense of feel. Now, he's doing well with what he can do. We come out seeing and we say, oh, I see something in that person. I'm studying their body language. I'm studying their words. But we're not seeing the whole picture. Imagine that blind man sees that green and that color for the first time and that brown. And it's not just feel anymore. He goes to another level. You get where I'm going with this? He goes to another level. He says, whoa, I've never seen green before. This is a, this is a lively color. I'm getting energy out of just seeing this color. This brown is unique. Look at the freckles on there. All this time, all I could do was feel them and taste them. But now I can see them. What I'm seeing actually is changing the way I taste them. It's the same with our spiritual eyes. We think we see. Oh, that person, he's just got an anger problem. That person, he's just mean. She's just mean. Oh, but you're not seeing by the Spirit. You're just making a judgment. There's nothing wrong with making a judgment, but make a, a godly judgment. Go deeper. Say this. There's anger there, but God, what, what, what's under that? There must be brokenness. There's brokenness there, but what, what's under there? Fatherlessness. There's fatherless there. Now, how can I minister? We've been ministering to fruit and not roots. So we're just picking off apples. And they're growing back. And then all sorts of stuff is growing back. We never got to the root. Isn't it amazing how the patriarchs of the Old Testament heard from God? Casual conversation. But because of our lineage and because of generations of sin, we become more and more disconnected. That nowadays we need a prophet to tell us what God is saying. There used to be a day when God would walk in the cool of the evening and say, Adam, where are you? He could hear audibly. He didn't have to hear someone say, thus saith the Lord, Adam, where are you? God is speaking. But today I need to hear from God. We believe in the gift of prophecy here at Grace. And I remember growing up here, we'd have a prophet named Jim LaFoon. And he would only come but so often. 
And when he'd come, you'd be in the back like, come on, pick me. I know, because I know he's hearing from God. So it's not about if I put my hand up. God's got to say it. So Lord, please, I know you got a word for me. He's only going to be here once. Another two years. It's like a 3% chance. Every decade, I need a word. My expectation was on hearing from the man of God that hears from God, not hearing from God. Let's talk about work. Jesus said in verse 4, we must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. And he says, while I am the world, uh, while I, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. If we don't work, they won't eat. I've got children. If I don't work, if I don't do my job, my kids will starve. We must do the work of the gospel. The reason why we encounter Christ is not just for ourselves. It's so that we can go out and do the work. The more we get with God vertically, the more we can be effective horizontally. If we don't work, they won't eat. They don't need more Dr. Phil. They don't need more Oprah. They don't need more five steps, six steps, seven steps. Another seminar, they need Jesus. They need the power of the Holy Spirit to move through us. But if we're not getting in that place where we can encounter God, then all we have is some nice tips. I'm dealing with some stuff with my dad. Oh, yeah, I did that too. My dad, yeah. We all, who, everybody has daddy issues. Okay, thanks so much for that encouraging moment. I'm going to go figure this out. (laughs) What if you said, oh, well, we live in a fallen world and it's not your dad's fault, but it is your dad's fault. See, but it started off with sin and your dad didn't have a father and he's operating from brokenness. He's teaching you out of all that he knows and that's the best he can do. So you need to pray for him, love him unconditionally and serve him. And then ask God to reconcile your relationship. That's what I did and God moved in a mighty way and blah, 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 blah. How much different is that? than your favorite talk show. The goal for us is to display the work of God, as Jesus said in this moment. While there is still day, which means while there is still life, do we have a sense of urgency? Are we working? There will come a day when we can no longer, as Jesus said, he said, because night is inevitable or death is inevitable. There's going to be a day where you can no longer share with your neighbor. Anybody had a neighbor neighbor move before? Anybody had a relative die before you reconciled? They didn't feel good. The night is young. The Lord is coming back. We need to do all that we can until he comes so that we can stand before him blameless and encouraged because through our encounter with Christ, we were able to see lives changed. We have to move with a sense of urgency. There will come a day when no one can work. Used to play in the NFL. Y'all know what that stands for, not for long. (laughs) I remember a guy said, Jared, you got to cherish every moment. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to cherish every moment. I didn't cherish every moment. I was clocking in, clocking out, doing whatever I had to do. Do we cherish every moment? When we walk outside, do we say, God, you're amazing. Look what you've done. Do we ever stop on our way to the car? Speaking of cars, do we ever enjoy our car? Or when we buy the car, then we go look online for another car. Man, this house is good, but you know our next house is going to be way bigger. 
You just moved in. Let me close with this. Man must see. When he said this, he spat on the ground. Someone say, ew. Jesus spit on the ground into the dirt and made clay or a mud pie. Let's go into that real quick. First, the fact that Jesus went down to the ground. You know, Genesis chapter 2 says that he formed us out of the dirt, out of the dust. Something beautiful that Jesus did when going down to the ground. But that's not all that he did, even though we're thankful. There's DNA in saliva. There's DNA in saliva. So we are just dust. We're just dirt, fallen dirt. He put his DNA in the dirt. He put it together and life came out. He put it on the man's eyes and then it became miraculous. In that moment, Jesus showed us what it looks like for God to intervene. I like to believe that there was something redemptive going on in that process. Not only was Jesus healing a man, he was healing a man on the Sabbath. He was teaching the Pharisees a lesson. He was teaching the disciples a lesson. He was, a he- he was healing a man and he was teaching us how to continue to walk in faith. How so? He placed the clay on the man's eyes. He might have made eyeballs with the clay. We don't know what happened in that moment. But this is what happened. He sent the man away. He commanded him to go wash. He couldn't see though. Has God ever given you a word that you couldn't see it manifest just yet? God told Pastor Brett that he was going to lead a church that was going to win the city when he had about 12 people. God's speaking to somebody today saying that you're going to be a great father. You don't have any children yet. And your dad was a horrible example. You can't even see it yet. But here's where faith comes into play. Now he says, go. Go to the place called sent. I'm sending you somewhere. Where is God sending you? Are you encountering Jesus so that you can go somewhere? Is God sending you to a place? Is he taking you to a place that's going to stretch your faith, make you feel uncomfortable? And in the process, not only are you being healed, but you're being trained up so that you can heal others. Maybe there's a boldness that's coming into play on your own this week, as you always do, because you're great Christians and you love to encounter Jesus. Keep on reading this story. The man starts to get downright sassy with the Pharisees. Did you get healed? Yeah, I got healed. From who? Jesus, you know. I feel like there was some boldness that got on that man after that miracle. How many know that a miracle would make you get bold? He commanded him to to wash. Often we can't see why God has told us to do something or to go someplace until we actually obey. We need to obey in order to see where God is sending us. Once we get there, God's glory will be revealed to ourselves and to others. The man came back seeing. So I ask you this one question. Where is God sending you? Where is God sending you? 
And if you don't know yet, then you need to encounter Christ. I wanna pray for two things. First, for salvation. If you've been coming to church, like I used to come to church, putting on your suit, smiling, putting your hands in the air, because that's what everybody else does, worked on your two-step when Shanique's worshiping, you join a small group because you got pressured into it. You read your Bible because I think you're just supposed to do that. But you haven't really encountered Jesus. And you want to give your life to him so that you can experience him every day. I want to pray for you. And I want to, by the power of God, allow you to come into the kingdom, into the covenant. And give your life to him.